0: This Restorative Justice Life is a production of Amplify RJ. Follow us on all social media platforms at Amplify RJ, sign up for our email list, and check out our website at amplifyrj.com to stay up to date on everything we have going on. Make sure you're subscribed to this feed on whatever platform you're listening on right now so you don't miss an episode. And finally, we'd love it if you left us a rating and review. It really helps us literally amplify this work. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to This Restorative Justice Life, the podcast that explores how the philosophy, practices, and values of restorative justice apply to our everyday lives. I'm your host, David Ryan Barcega Castro-Harris, all five names for the ancestors, and I'm the founder of Amplify RJ. On this podcast, I talk with RJ practitioners, circle keepers, and others doing this work about how this way of being has impacted their lives. Hey y'all, so excited to be revisiting this conversation with Becky McCammon. As some of you may know, starting next week, We're collaborating with Becky to convene a professional learning community for folks who are doing restorative justice work in schools from a leadership perspective. So if you're a restorative justice coordinator, specialist, coach, or school leader charged with, quote unquote, implementing restorative justice in school communities, this professional learning community is for you. We're going to have four meetings throughout the 22-23 school year starting next Wednesday, October 19. Link to sign up. And get more information in the show notes. As always, if you want to help us further amplify this work, we've taken clips of this episode and posted them across social media platforms, especially TikTok, Instagram Reels, and YouTube. So if you have snippets of this conversation that you want to share with people in your community, specifically educators in this context, you can help us amplify the work on those platforms. Again, I'm so excited to be revisiting this conversation with Becky, so let's not wait any longer and get into it. So, Becky, <laughs> yes. welcome to this restorative justice life. Who are you?
1: <laughs> that was a dramatic, like physicality to the question. Um, who am I? Oh, I'm super in progress. Uh, perhaps what comes to mind um, in the first draft form is that I am newly restoratively unemployed. I um was a part of St. Paul Public Schools for uh 17 years and most recently the last 5 years as their restorative practice district coordinator and uh then decided um inspired by what circle uh affirms for me that uh I have value outside of circle and outside of um institutions or formal employment so I am uh Someone restoratively unemployed who's newly in a lot of sort of emerging relationships with other schools and folks.
0: (laughs) Who are you? (laughs)
1: Uh, I am someone inclined to semicolons and colons and complex compound sentences uh, stemming from 14 years as an English teacher and also I think someone trying to always... Find love language, um, speak from love language. Mm
0: -hmm. Who are you?
1: Someone uh, who wants to, uh, wants the reassurance of a hair binder on my wrist if my hair isn't already back. And uh, the gentleness and care of elastic waisted pants. Uh, And newly someone who feels okay uh, having a statement, uh, earrings. Uh, in this new way of embracing it's okay if someone notices me.
0: Mm-hmm. Who are you?
1: I'm Quinn and Lily's mom. And uh, Quinn and Lily, uh, because I'm an adoptee from Korea, are my first biological relatives that I'm in close story with. So being their mom um, and their racial mirror is a big heart deal. Who are you? Ah, uh, I am, uh, the daughter of two biological parents that I have never met in person, um, but who I owe breath and life to. And then the daughter of, uh, two fallible, uh, white folks who adopted me, um, in Minnesota and who I will, I suppose, always be on a journey of loving, forgiving, letting go uh, that cycle with them.
0: Mm. Who are you?
1: I am the hopeful uh dot, dot, dot and ellipses uh, for myself and I hope uh, for and with other people.
0: Mm-hmm. And finally, who are you?
1: Uh, I believe I'm in the good work of Loving and being who I am in circle um outside of circle in a kind of of uh, mirrored um, braided connection, so that there isn't i don't know too much uh difference in what I'm like or how I feel in circle and what I'm like and how I feel outside of circle mm-hmm.
0: Thank you so much for all that sharing. um We're gonna get into a lot of those intersections of who you are over the next little bit. I'm really grateful uh that you're taking the time to be with us uh, but it's always good to check in uh, at the beginning, so to the fullest extent that you want to answer the question, "How are you
1: mm, i'm I'm paying attention to how I am. Um and what is uh true, false, multiple choice answers and all the stuff in between. Um so that's a little bit about how I am. Do I get to ask you who are you seven times?
0: We're not gonna do that for every okay. <laughs> for every question that I ask you, but um <laughs> partially because, you know, many of the people who listen to this podcast know a lot of the things <laughs> about me, but specifically this question, right? You said that you've been doing uh, restorative justice work formally within St. Paul Public Schools for the last five years, but you've probably been doing restorative justice work much longer before that, maybe even before you knew those words. And so, from your perspective, how did this work get started for you? Mm.
1: I think perhaps um, I was an English teacher because uh, I loved reading and writing more than I uh, cared for the other subjects. So I knew I wanted to be in work um, professionally that was relational and uh, English was the subject that seemed to have the most flexibility. Um, And then uh I mean, I love that. And I also then on the side at school was uh, leading the diversity club and um, what was then a gay straight alliance and uh, National Honor Society and the newspaper and the literary Arts magazine. And so what I really wanted, uh, what I found was um, there was I, I guess I can't call it an imbalance, but my world just kept expanding so that there were spaces and times where um, I could be with young people in ways that weren't constricted by a scope and sequence, um, that weren't outlined by um, standards needed to be achieved and um, measurable outcomes. And rather, how often did I and young people feel community in school? And how often were we drawn to be um, together outside of like this three-minute passing time that's just so heavily policed? for uh, young people in schools and so i'm not sure when the language arrived but i think i really just wanted to be um a teacher around relationships i i i wanted there not to be something that i was strictly held to and i spent seven years in an alternative learning high school and that gave me a lot of freedom to practice because i had the same scholars maybe from the time they were 16 to 21 um or because young people uh, came to the school with such uh, a legacy of harm in schools that it was really really important that my classroom space was um meant that they could um unlearn and release what school had been um that the conversations that young people used to maybe experience just outside of the classroom were like 90 seconds that were meaningful um that those could turn into a 45-minute conversation, or they could be 30 minutes, and everybody that was inside of the classroom understood that needs were being met for that person. Um, So maybe probably since that time of sort of hankering for, yes, of course, there is content and good in um, text and story, uh, but we all bring rich story that we deserve ample time to explore and play with.
0: Mm-hmm. What was the time or experience that brought you in collision with, uh, quote unquote, restorative justice or circles this way of being? Mm-hmm.
1: It was in my last few years uh, in the classroom in a middle school. And uh, we were in the midst of contract negotiations um, between St. Paul Federation of Educators and St. Paul Public Schools. And uh, there's a lot of uh, people aren't really holding the talking piece when it comes to communications messaging from either side. Um, anytime a statement is put into a, a website, there are some levels of editing and drafting that have happened. And so uh, as a middle school English teacher and a parent of students in the district, like the rhetoric just felt unfair and harmful, particularly from one side, of the district. So I started uh, <laughs> writing to the school board but I wanted the other side, I wanted the union to have a sense of who is this educator who um is hitting send on words. Because I was still very much in the space of um, whiteness quantifies and qualifies who can communicate to power when and how. Uh and so from from that, uh a union friend, uh Nick Faber, uh reached out and asked if we might want to have coffee and if we might want to talk about uh who I was and what I was interested in. And that, over time, led to being a part of uh, being on the bargaining team to advocate for restorative practices in our contract in St. Paul Public Schools. And part of that, because uh, the union was wise enough to understand what they didn't know at that time. So, so it's, it's a nice thing when you know what you don't know. And they had talked to a bunch of cool folks in Chicago and Chicago public schools and circle keepers in that area. Um, and then they gathered some of the Twin Cities circle keepers together with a bargaining team. And they didn't know that we shouldn't have tables <laughs> in this space. <laughs> but what it did is it placed all of these beautiful souls um, in a room with me and a mostly white um, bargaining team for this This language that was just like a radical shift from oppositional to from like accusatory sort of spirit to everything, uh, to Jamie Williams naming that this is, uh, this is not about a plan or this isn't about initiative. This is, uh, this is about who we are. It's a way of being, uh, and how remarkable to imagine that I was fully qualified to be in a kind of space and in a kind of work just by being um loving and open up to something like that, so that's a meandering part of like my origin story. Was that more of kind of where you were looking for in a once upon a time line
0: yeah in in some ways, yes, and I'm hoping to get a little bit more specific about you know some of the maybe. What was your first time in Circle? Mm. <laughs>
1: I feel like it might have been, uh, with Kate Pranis. And that's a, that I would put that in an italicized might because, uh, because my role, so I was the first, um, RJ coordinator for the district, uh, and we were also supported by The National Education Association gave a great public school grant to the union. And so I was half paid for by the union and half by the district. So from the union side of things, um, I had been in a lot of spaces and places that said, please, please, please do this with community. Please, please, please don't imagine that we are creating something out of like, Becky, here's a box of like tools and a bulletin board and like get RJ going. And instead, Mm -hmm. it was but Becky, there's a lot of folks that you should hold space with and be a listener and a learner with. And so for the first year um, of restorative practices in St. Paul, we, we the organization, didn't offer, we didn't host any trainings. Instead, we invited Kay, we invited folks like Raj Setharju, we invited folks from American Friends <laughs> Service <laughs> Committee, um, Sharon Gones and Dominique Tiago cash We had community circle keepers come in. Um And hold space for us. So K's circle, maybe a circle with Raj, uh, maybe a circle at the Minnesota Department of Education, because Nancy has circles like all over that are in process. So maybe. one Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. So within that space and maybe it wasn't in the space and if it wasn't, that's OK. What was it about that process, that way of being, that really deeply resonated with you?
1: So, uh, <laughs> arriving at whatever age that was, uh, I came with a history of, we all do, I came with a history of story and harms and things that I uh, had compressed and compartmentalized and quieted over the years. And I had have been involved in different therapy relationships over time. And what I remember about those opening awkward uh, therapy sessions of my life was that it wasn't reciprocal. It was clear that that I was the one that was there to be helped and that there was someone else in the space that was going to help me, that was qualified and accredited to help me. And what I experienced in Circle is the agency and the power to to be of help to myself, um, to be of mutual support and care to other people, uh, that that my liberation and that my healing and that my next steps uh, right to exhale, loving myself a little bit more. Um, they happen in spaces where I am both a listener and a confidant, um, but I'm also vulnerably speaking, um, in a dynamic eye. So that's what I experienced then and what I continue to experience in circle.
0: Yeah. Like so much, of popular discourse around circles, restorative justice in this work is often about, you know, how do we not suspend kids? How do we not send kids to detention or ISS? Or how do we repair the harm, right? Um, that's a part of it. That's a part of it. Um, that's not most of what this work is about, right? And as you've been doing this work over the last five years in that specific role, um, right, acknowledging that, like, this work exists outside of a job title, um, what were some of the lessons that you've taken Um From doing this, introducing this work and quote unquote implementing uh, this work within, uh, St. Paul schools. Some
1: of the lessons, Mm -hmm. uh, that I have been and I believe we have been, uh, mistaught that to come to a space to be with other people, um, requires preparation. and the sort of preparation that is about equipment and um, appearance and outfitting, uh, when I really embrace uh, what other circle keepers have named and what I try to emulate, which is that we all arrive at circle just as we are, at just the right moment uh, for us. And that uh, it is a consistent Exercise and in invitation and consent, invitation and consent, invitation and consent towards hopeful community. Uh, there is so much to reclaim, I believe, of a healthy relationship I have with myself. I have said yes too many times and no too many times in circumstances and situations that were twisted. Um, There were without genuine consent, that didn't involve the agency to pass. Um, So, oh, gosh, the the lessons with that, I think, um, (laughs) and how that ties to implementation. There isn't a traditional efficiency with restorative practices in schools, and there certainly aren't any predictable um, outcomes that – we can put into a particular kind of table the way tables exist right now because we've never been witness to. Uh, we've never stood and looked at the horizon of like, oh, this is what justice looks like in schools. Because Circle uh, for me is, a, and I hope for others, is a means for me to uh, love myself differently, to question myself Profoundly, Um, but to be in healthy relationship with like that tussle and tug. And I really want uh, our schools to be able to. I just want my babies to go through school loving themselves. And. There's a whole lot from the time you walk in the door to the time you leave that moves against that in ritual, <laughs> in practice. And I feel like circle is a space that uh, mm, it makes me think of uh, elementary recess and how tag was like, you know, a thing or an exercise. But usually there was somewhere on the playground, there was like um, the safe spot. There was a place where you could there was like your timeout. Like if you needed to tie your shoe, like just race there and then you're safe. You're not in the game. And circle feels like uh that space um that we all deserve, both educators and students and families.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of
1: meandering in my thoughts, but I embrace that too. Like I no longer believe uh I've heard I would say hundreds of people in circle apologize for like, oh, I just went off on a tangent or like, oh, I just started rambling. They apologize for the length of what they said. And what I try to uh, support is that our sweet minds and hearts have rarely been given the freedom to actually let um, a new pathway take shape because whiteness is so from point A to point B and start and finish. So
0: yeah and as much as like I'm working against that's like, ooh, how do I ask the questions that tell the linear story about like the lessons that she learned like on this journey, and like i I embrace all that this is right as like I haven't explicitly said it like this, um as you did, and I don't know if this is when we were recording or not, but you know these conversations are circle like mm-hmm. right, um the conversation that we have on this podcast are very lightly edited. (laughs) Uh, But uh, Mm -hmm. it it is a reflection of the experience that you and me are having right now. And so I'm embracing that for all that it is. When you are thinking about like, and I, I I think in this moment, you know, just having transitioned out, like you're able to reflect back a little bit more than you might have been able to in any given moment over those last five years. Um, when you're thinking about the quote-unquote implementation, is there another word that you use other than implementation?
1: So many folks lean into the pairing of implementation science, and I really like implementation artistry.
0: Okay, gotcha. <laughs> so, so in the process of artfully implementing, inviting people into uh, this work, right? What do you do when there is resistance? right because th- we can describe these practices to people and describe the outcomes uh that we're hoping to get and people are generally like oh that sounds like a positive thing right um mm-hmm. and then the practice of embodying this way of being right um often looks really, is is really challenging both within the structures that people have been socialized into as students, as we went through uh, school as adults, right? And then as adults who went through teacher training or admin training or whatever training for the role that we play in school, like that are uncircle of <laughs> like, right? Um, you use, you know, within the frame of whiteness and white supremacy, domination, efficiency, oppression, um, power hoarding, right? So the practice of these restorative ways of being um, is, is a challenge. What do you do in those moments of resistance?
1: Symbolically, uh, it's really important for me. And I think the, um, the school base, like the restorative practice coordinators in buildings, um, to let, to support those voices, Um, naming fear, naming, is this going to work? Naming, I don't have time for one more thing. Naming, is this another, this too shall pass? I want circle and then circle keepers, even in in those moments that are really those one-on-one restorative chats or dialogues. I want, I want them to feel fully heard. Like I want them to exhaust if, if, If that inflated sense of fear, if that inflated sense of bias, if that bloated sense of, like, I it's just too much and I can't, um, if that's a balloon, I want circle restorative practitioners, I want the space to hold, like, as much of, like, that balloon emptying out as possible. And I don't mean that in... I mean that in the way that when someone has the talking piece in circle, they speak until their breath finishes and then they pass. And then we have all of those other multiple perspectives that fill the space before there's a new question. I want what I tried to model, what I tried to, to be in the work was to listen really, really fully and then come with curiosity. Because the from my perspective, the if it is uh, air quotes resistance, if it is uh, a lack of certainty, if it is, I don't know if this will work. There are some really rooted harms related to that. Some really original, foundational, like stuff that's twined to a person's story. And if I don't show up as someone that looks, sounds, and feels like I want to hear their story, then I don't, I don't know how they're going to do that for young people. So that's some of what I've sought to model. So part of what happened in St. Paul Public Schools is we did move from consent. The first six schools that were the pilots in year one in 2016, and there were 18 schools that applied, but we could only support six at first year. All of them had staff communities that voted and said at a rate of 75 percent or higher. This is what we want to try. This is what we feel curious about. And absolutely. And of course, like what a yes is in 2016 when you have a new principal in 2018 is complicated. What a yes is in 2017, when you then have a new restorative justice coordinator in 2018, like it's complicated. Also, just a yes in curiosity is very, very different in form than, oh, my goodness, how am I (laughs) in this work? I can't I can't laminate something posted on the wall and imagine that I am in compliance because circle and restorative work isn't about compliance. It's about embrace. (laughs) It's about flexibility, adaptability. So I I believe that I did my best to hold people in um, what I sort of refer to as an empathy scavenger hunt. In a moment with a person as they're sharing their story. Like I take a lot of time to think about, I sort of wonder about where is the woundedness? Where have they not felt seen or heard? Where perhaps has there not been radical love and confirmation of how hard they work? Who is never in their circle really letting them hold the talking piece? Like I, And then I stay in that relationship as much as is possible, practical, and healthy.
0: <laughs> how do you, how do you, uh, I'm, I'm curious if there's a specific example that comes to mm-hmm. mind, uh, confidentiality acknowledged, where you like were able to like move through that with those boundaries acknowledged, right? Mm-hmm.
1: So uh, in in the first year, we had um, one of our principals had a very, and all of our schools were invited and welcome to have their own plant. Because each community is different, each culture is different, like the developmental windows of the kiddos and the developmental windows of the adults serving the kiddos is meaningful. So we, I remember one principal who, uh, in our opening meeting, and this was before I had practice in circle. This was before <laughs> I was ever consistently, like, in my mind, passing a talking piece to another person. Uh, I remember he, part of his practice was to create sort of like a manifesto each year, a one-pager for his staff so they understood like this is who I am this is my practice this is this is our vision for the year so he had a similar kind of like one pager for this is what restorative justice is going to look like in the school and in my mind I was like oh I think some of this is sideways and I think perhaps some of this um places too much onus and burden on young people so I had those thoughts uh and I had those feelings and The restorative justice person in the building was also new to the community, was a man of color, principal is a white gentleman. And so I mentioned that as an opening anecdote, because then seven months later, right, as we continue in relationship and learning with one another, because district people are perceived a particular kind of way in every in any school district, like what a building level person thinks about district folks comes with a whole lot of stuff. Right. So. Seven months later, though, when I'm back and I I promise I had seen them in between. But when I'm back and we're looking towards the new school year and the new school year budget and the new school year hopes and needs, that was a moment where that leader and I sat uncomfortably where I said, I think you need more staff for this and we can find the money for you to have more staff. And that principal really meaningfully said, so I'm in a budget season where I have to cut X number of licensed educators. So you're. What I'm feeling right now, Becky, is I have to, my community will have to experience that we're going to lose licensed educators and you're telling me I can have another restorative justice person. And I'm not quite sure what to do with that. So moments like that (laughs) were really important exercises for me to, to sit in the, like the integrity and the urgency of what anti-racist transformational justice work is, and also sit really, really tenderly with a leader that has X number of adults that can email him at any moment, right, from their hurt, harm, need, and values. And the loss of some members of the adult community with the introduction of a new restorative person. Like, he was holding all of that. So... I think of us uh, <laughs> in more recent terms uh, in more recent years and the way we can both look back on uh, how I pushed and how he pushed and how we were able to like hold each other in what we understood was true, which is that we really wanted the community to thrive and we really didn't want the community to misunderstand um that the addition of more restorative support and more circle-keeping support was not favored over, right, was not in place of the value of content specialists, the value of English or literature. So I guess I think about those moments where uh, how to humanize somebody. It doesn't matter that, like, I came into the work probably misunderstanding that, that principals, because of their positional title and because they are compensated more, that some part of their life is more luxurious when, in fact, uh, for a principal and for many relational leaders in schools, it is, in fact, more isolating. And there are very few spaces where they feel like they're in circle because there's all these other larger circles that are moving around them that they can't actively be a part of because of human resources and confidentiality and budgets and baloney like that. I I'm so sorry that I don't remember the origin of the question, but I got in
0: that story. Exactly. It was exactly what was supposed to happen. (laughs) Uh, It was exactly what was supposed to be shared. What I'm left thinking about is like, you know, the structure of schools are um, like antagonistic to this, right? It's Nancy's, book, like circle in the square, right? (laughs) Like how do you bring these ways of being, um, that are circle and fit them into these boxes that are rigid with those restrictions, both on people's time, the ability for a mm-hmm. person to legally, right. Um, share things, yeah. <laughs> right. Share, be vulnerable. Yeah. Right. Um, and I, you know, those structures are there sometimes with I'll say good reason, but definitely with good intention. Yeah. Right. Right. And how do we, yeah. how do we navigate those things? I think the the question is twofold, right? Like, the ongoing question that everyone is dealing with is like, how do we continue to navigate those things when these values are tension? But I think the other question that is just as important to ask is like, what is the community that we can be building um, that will like help this way of being thrive? Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: another example that comes to mind is that. All of the pilot sites in St. Paul that um, were designated as spaces to explore and practice and implement restorative practices, all of them received $150,000 for three years, which Mm -hmm. supported staffing, professional development, training. um, And one tender spot in that was that absolutely all educators, all people who come to a restorative experience um, should be compensated for their time. And there's something radical about um, people say often in circle, I believe like I didn't know that I needed this. And so how to, how to sit in that space between, okay, well, if we offer drop-in affinity circles, if we offer drop-in circles of support, if we offer um, circles that hold like we, we're going to, you know, explore and play with justice on both sides by the amazing Dr. Nguyen, um, I think our circle keepers sometimes felt the tension around, oh, so we have to pay educators to be there, when rather they really wanted the educators to want to be there with or without compensation. And that comes from the fear of when the money went away, right? Because the money is, there's a pool of money that people can draw from, but it is much less convenient. So Mm
0: -hmm.
1: we know the work isn't tied to money, but access to people, access to their time, because their time is meaningful, does require money. So what to do about, like, when I go to the NACRJ conferences and there's like a gajillion breakout sessions about how to do this work when you have no money. And I, and in St. Paul, we had money to support people coming together. Tomorrow I'll be with a school and a day long retreat and everyone will turn in a timesheet for being there and it'll be good for their soul and good for their practice. And they're also getting compensated. So how do (laughs) the complexity of, well, that's a principle that made sure that that was in their budget. Not all principals and not all buildings can, because having your whole staff together for a day is actually quite expensive. So it's it's really complicated. It's very hard
0: because the and, and takes also,
1: time. I'm sorry.
0: Well, yeah, and I also wanted to slide in there. What you're being compensated to facilitate that is probably on the lower end. <laughs> what you should be paid like someone who is sometimes in similar roles is like that's not what I think I'm worth right and yeah there there are there are levels to that of course and you know we live in a capitalist world (laughs) um Mm -hmm. that requires that we function within it um to to get other people to get all of our needs met, right? For for housing, shelter, food.
1: <laughs> I have a lot of um I don't know if I'd call it quite guilt, but um lessons I hold in my mind of when I started uh in the position, I had been told anecdotally that circle keepers um tended to ask for 100 dollars an hour. And I remember thinking, okay, well, I can only make that work on the well we figured it out on both sides but at the time it was complicated because the union was not paying anybody to facilitate anything at at 100 dollars an hour nor was the school district mm-hmm. right so all these systems that sort of really undervalue and underpay folks for their work and and so the the, tw- the, the twinges I have now around Oh my gosh, I wish it could have been like three, four hundred, like just a lot more. Because the artistry of holding with care, like being heart present with people, is is really artful <laughs> and a whole lot of work. And and so I wanted to be compensated. But then that starts a whole ripple effect of I also want our educators to be compensated differently and on and on. But I wish I wish there was a way I could go back to all of the circle keepers we worked with and just like drop off a package of like balancing funds. Like (laughs) I didn't know. And I was operating from the idea that like, I I just got paid 22 more cents an hour this year on my contracts. Like anyway, yes.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) To your point about, you know, this is, These are like these deep foundational wounds, right? I don't know how to categorize capitalism. Oh, capitalism is an ism. There you go. (laughs) Uh, I was gonna say, I wasn't sure how to capitalize it with like, uh, like, categorize it with like racism, Mm -hmm. um, sexism. (laughs) But yeah, capitalism is is an ism, right? And like, when we, when we think about like those systemic things, it's like, we, we operate in a world. In which those exists, um, and like doing restorative work is about being anti-racist. It is about being, um, like anti-sexist or, you know, feminist, um, whichever word yeah. fits, yeah. fits better, right? Um, and like this anti-capitalism piece is often left out of the conversation. And I know we often talk around it. Just given the limits of the communities that we operate in, because like we all understand, right? There are limited funds. Um, how do we fix that restoratively? <laughs> because like, I was having this conversation with, um, Jorge Santos, uh, who I'll just shout out is someone who was on one of this, this pod, was on this podcast at the beginning yeah. of this calendar year. Um, he shared the, you know, the graphic of, um, the people watching the baseball game, right? Um, where it's like equality versus equity, and then on his there was reality, right? Where you have three people standing on boxes, and there was the fence, right? Um, there was one person was standing in a ditch, um, so they could barely see even like the fence, right? There was one person who was standing on a box, um, who could just like barely see over the fence, and then there was another person who was. You couldn't even see the person because, like, the boxes were just stacked up so high, right? And my question to him was, you know, so what are we going to do with those boxes? Because, like, the money in the world exists, Um, right? Um, Asking nicely (laughs) doesn't work. (laughs) Um, Violence doesn't necessarily work either like, so are we knocking down those boxes? Are we asking nicely for some more boxes? And I think, like, you know, what that graphic leaves out, because, you know, there are limits to a graphic is, you know, the amount of people who are in the categories of, like, just being able to see over the fence, and who are, you know, in the ditch, are 90% of the population, right, 90 plus percent of the population. And with those, um, people who have all the boxes, all of the resources, that's such a small segment of the population. And so like capitalism has created that. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we restoratively remedy that?
1: I always sit w- with those images and all the iterations that have happened over time. Like mm-hmm. I just don't care about a baseball game either.
0: True. And yeah. and
1: so I wonder what, I just want the invitation because we know graphics have limit. Like what, what do people want to see and so it reminds me of um so in Maisha's work with history matters race matters justice matters language matters towards like the possibility of our future mattering differently like i want what does that look like to be able to to like this is the thing i want to see and so that's the journey i i when i when i decided to quit um Paul public schools I knew I'm a single mom I'm (laughs) like I've been responsible for keeping myself and children in clothes that fit and shoes that fit and that don't embarrass my children as much as possible and you know all that business so and I don't the work is not for me to be in as to to be the circle keeper in a whole bunch of different spaces um the work is not for me to uh be an expert like it's really it's quirky to even sit in that like people refer to me as sort of the- as the consultant and i and I guess that works as a verb like it, w- what I'm doing but i also i um it's what I want to vision towards or to be able to create a restorative cooperative. Because the Twin Cities, for example, has a ton of small non RJ themed spaces, right, that are serving this school district or serving this county. And, and what I've come to understand sitting in the cushion, cushion of public education where I had a salary and benefits and retirement was watching those organizations struggle. You've got, you know, Nancy sent out recently, um, like postings for working in these three school districts for these kind of days. And it, I think it would amount to like $25 an hour. Like, mm-hmm. oh, gosh. So really want circle keepers and restorative practitioners and the folks in the Twin Cities community and beyond, but most locally Twin Cities community, to be able to come together to nourish one another, to be practicing with one another, because the educator in me knows that I am better for more healthy, more grounded for every circle that I'm in, that I'm not the circle keeper. It's super duper important for me to be in spaces where I am in practice and passing the talking piece. And there is, and I could go through the whole experience without the responsibility or the sense of I I'm the one that should say the next prompt. Mm-hmm. And I don't think spaces get that because they are like, they need every single penny and, and, need to take all of the jobs or do take all of the jobs, right, in these different spaces where they're getting $25 an hour. I don't think that answered, like, what do we do about how do we reclaim restorative justice from capitalism? Because my mind goes other places. There are colleges that are in the area that are thinking about, um, and this is what the Transformative Justice Center right at UC Davis is doing, too, like how do we support educators in Just ways that they go into schools with these practices and this sort of sense of self and agency. Um, but I, I feel hopeful about colleges thinking about their pre-service teachers that way. And that's not often who in schools is supporting when really significant harm happens or relationships are broken. So there's that too.
0: Yeah, definitely a yes and this work needs to happen on multiple levels, right? Um, should this be a part of all pre-service teachers education absolutely right um shout out to the transformative justice center shout out to like the folks at eastern Mennonite university shout out to like you know those spaces where teacher education programs like require like as gross as it is to say like restorative practice classes like it is what it is um um like it, it, that, that's helpful and like th- these systems um are still not aligned to, um, restorative practices, uh, happening well. Um, I'm curious and I think, I, I imagine that you're still growing in your understanding of what your role is, but like having just made this transition out, having some time over this summer to reflect, uh, what do you see your role as right now in building, you know, safe spaces in schools for children to mm-hmm love themselves and be loved by their community. I
1: I wanna I want to embrace where there is uh yes energy. Um and as often as possible, as much as I can. I want to do that in spaces where there are um leaders of color that want to lead this work and they in their system um isn't in a place to offer them when I like the radical sort of professional hug that a principal, that a district leader, that an educator uh, needs and deserves when you're trying to unlearn and learn and embrace all at once. So I, um, this year I'll continue working with, there's a, a group out of education, Minnesota, they're racial equity advocates and, um, so cohorts of them work together over multiple years in their journey as anti-racist educators. And these cohorts for the last four years have uh, start with a day in circle with me. Um, and then there's sort of some revisiting of circle time with me. And uh, so that's a commitment I have to stay in relationship to those folks because by majority Based on the picture of Minnesota and what our teaching staff looks like, these are, these are white folks who really do want to genuinely like be in the work and be in their story. And it's, and everywhere around them, white supremacy is the familiar air, uh, the familiar ritual. So that's a part of like my hope. Uh, yesterday morning was a lovely retreat with us in a, in a school where uh, they have a new leader of color uh who I've sat in circle with over the past few years and so being there um with him and for him is significant next week again hang out at another elementary school that has a leader of color another crane adoptee like and it has me do it has been a 45 minute commute across the twin cities which for me is a thing but I will I will travel to uh leaders of color to be with them in what is a quite natural and unfortunate uh, um, reality of being um, perhaps more isolated um, and more alone in the work and who they see in the hallways every day. So that's a piece of where I see myself. Uh, I'm working with a school district in Iowa, and I'm really, really excited. They just hired their first restorative justice coordinator. So I'm really excited about like they have me um calendar to do a lot of different trainings and consultation. But I'm super excited to like walk with their new leader um, and to support him radically in how the system holds him. Because my job evolved a ton over five years. Year one, I supported six schools and then nine schools and then 12 schools and then 18 schools and then 20 and then 25. Capitalism and white supremacy is always going to let folks like me and others keep going and keep doing good work. Uh, and I want there to be ways that as the work with him and with his district grows, that the support grows, that there are more people that are like his budget grows, <laughs> that there are other mm-hmm. circle keepers that are supporting him. I want all that to grow Um I'm super excited to hang out with the science museum and do circle training with their folks. They've got the race exhibits and for years now when their race exhibit started, uh, they train folks in circles so that folks after going through the exhibit can be in a space to process.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So those are some of the like the yes spaces like that feel good.
0: Yeah, uh, we'll we'll plug it here. <laughs> If people are listening to this and it's like, yes, I want Becky's support, restorative, uh, I want Becky's radical support, right? Restorativelyyours.com, link in the description, um, is where you can get in touch with her.
1: (laughs) That's very, very kind. I didn't mean to sound so promotional, but I am excited about, these are all relationships I consent to. I said yes to. It's a great, yeah, it's good stuff.
0: As we've heard so much about doing this work is the practice, but it's always great to have some fundamentals. So if you want to tap into the Intro to RJ, Racial and Restorative Justice course, the link to engage in that learning is in the show notes. If you wanna go deeper in your practice or explore other aspects of doing work that is restorative and building a better world for future generations, we have learning opportunities for you to both in courses and live workshops. If you're in a community, school, or organization that would benefit from this learning, we're more than happy to get on a call with you to talk about how we can support this work in your context. In addition to rating, reviewing, and subscribing to this podcast, amplification of this work also means sharing these learning opportunities with others. So if there are individuals in your life who you want to really know this work in a deep and meaningful way, and you've found the things that you've heard here on this podcast really relevant, please send them our way. It's how we literally amplify the work. Now back to the questions that everybody answers when they come on these airwaves. Uh, And we've talked around this idea uh, over the last little bit, but for you, define restorative justice.
1: <sighs> uh, radical welcome to be in healthy relationship with myself, to be in healthy relationship with others, uh, to be in reparative, reclaiming relationship with history and practices, uh, towards a kind of paying attention that is, uh, balanced and shared in responsibility. How many semicolons and colons were in that? <laughs> <laughs>
0: I wasn't (laughs) counting. Check the transcript. (laughs) Um, uh, Shout out to Elise for making sure that we have transcripts for these episodes now. Um, As you've been doing this work, what's been like an oh shit moment and what did you learn from it?
1: I think um, a moment that I sit in with so much regard for like how stinky it is, is that... uh, Folks of color have rarely been uh, uh, seen, valued and like held in steady, supportive, accountable, professional relationships. So my journey has been blessed that the majority of the folks in St. Paul who were restorative practice leaders in buildings were folks of color. And amongst that most were brilliant and wise in ways that colleges didn't quantify, and so the scope of how uh, they have been—I believe—folks have been acclimated to, like, how do I belong in the space and do I have worth in schools, even in the face of like being utterly brilliant, like, and just amazing of heart. Like, that's the stuff where I can catch my breath because. As a Korean adoptee, there's a proximity to whiteness that I have always been a part of and then getting becoming a licensed teacher. Right. More closeness, more like familiar lexicon and whiteness. And. To really be with folks. Right. As they. Are invited to be circle keepers in spaces that consistently punish their bodies and hearts and souls like that's the oh shit. Because how do I how how with integrity and care can I say to someone I now love, stay in it stay stay present with that white educator while they x, y, or z stay in the good work when you didn't get put on the calendar again, right, or they missed you on the agenda for like. So that's the oh shit stuff because they are full and whole and glorious and gifted and the school needs them. And it's oh shit when there are wounds and bruises because because schools are still dominated by white practices and efficiency and the stuff that's required. So that's the oh shit of like how to... uh how to honestly with love know that these amazing people that I care for are in spaces that will predictably cause them harm. And yet hold love, hold faith, hold heart for that. That's oh shit.
0: Yeah. I'm thinking about the, the privilege that both you and I hold in the ability to step out of those systems, right? And create something. For ourselves, um, mm-hmm. and just reflecting on myself, right? Um, playing into the culture of like, no, oh, this this person is the expert, and like, you know, as much as I reject that term, like I'm someone who has experience yeah. and knows this work, right? Uh, in in a certain context, yeah. right. That's not what I'm imp that's not what I am paid to be in certain spaces where people say, like, oh no, help us come learn this, right? Um and there's immense privilege in that. And like I, I can't do that in integrity, uh, if I'm like forsaking communities who are most impacted. So there's there's definitely a tension there. A different frame for the oh shit that than we often have, but still wonderful. This one's a little bit lighter. Maybe. <laughs> Um, you get to sit in circle with four people living or dead. Who are they? And what's the question you ask the circle?
1: Uh, I want to sit with, um, my kiddos and their dad. And I want us to, uh, I want to come around and talk about how we've, we've loved one another. Um, even when it's hard and when it's good. Um, yeah, I just want to keep practicing that with them.
0: I'm I'm laughing because mm-hmm. uh, a, a lot of times it's like Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, person, mm-hmm. um, and then like artist, musician I admire, and an ancestor. That if I was to like categorize people's responses, like they fall into mm-hmm. like civil rights justice icon, artist, ancestor, and then like you know wild card other person. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That was, a, that was a different answer and I appreciated yeah. it. Thank you. A lot of the times restorative justice is only spoken about in like co- the context of schools and the criminal legal system. I'm curious if you can think of a place or situation, whether it's um, historical, fictional, um, or like from your life where you wish people really knew this work.
1: Oh, yes. Uh, so it links to that um, circle. If I could have a circle. Um, so I started this position and was introduced to circle practice about the time that uh, my co-parent and I split. And what happened was that uh I wanted to be honest about who I was when I started this journey. Right. That that I hadn't sat in circle before I was empowered to this to be in this amazing work. And so I, I started holding circle with my kids and it was always a beautiful, awkward mess. Uh, so I tell the story of uh, my daughter who is the youngest uh, bringing like stuffed animals and um, their blanket. And each of those individuals got a turn with the talking piece. And it was a lesson immediately in with an older brother and with a mom that's prone to talk, uh, They needed greater equity of voice to be in circle with us. Uh, Watching my teenage son who um, has anxiety and, and works through attention issues like need to bounce a basketball or roll around on the floor in circle were lessons abundant to me. When Lily would sit in my lap to hold the talking piece, me understanding like that that's was the embrace she needed to feel like she they could speak and i think uh the way this ended up manifesting forward in important ways was that friday nights were always when uh my kiddos transitioned to time with their dad and it was all it was it was rough in that they had just had an exhausting week of school and they just wanted to be somewhere still they didn't want to get in a car and have to Hold the reality of I'm moving away from mom, moving toward dad. So we had lots of circles in those hours of transition between mom's house and dad's house. And so I like, I like, I really want families to have this as a practice because there's a, there's so much to how I was raised, to how my mom was raised, to how my grandmother was raised that influences like, how I came of age as a woman, how I came of age with voice as a woman, body issues, on and on and on. I feel like I am constantly unlearning in my parenting. And the way my parents divorced and how that impacted me is significant. So those circles in those opening months and years of our family finding a new way to be in healthy relationship together, so significant. My children do not want to sit in circle with me nowadays which is why that's my like ideal so that's that's where I want I want families to have this
0: yeah absolutely and thank you for putting like the specific story to it right um we know that this work belongs everywhere with everyone Mm -hmm. um but like you know those specific examples are really what help people like understand like this is the impact that it can have. Um, you know, as we're starting to transition out, like what is one thing that you want our listeners to take away from our time together? It might be a mantra. It might be an affirmation. It might be something else that you really want to make sure that people leave with. Mm.
1: I want them to, uh, want them to feel empowered and supported to have a circle of their own, um, whether it's in the opening years of their restorative journey um, in the <laughs> right in the heart of what they're doing right now. Uh, circles really specifically or circle like spaces really specifically designed for the kind of confidentiality and vulnerability that familiar circles involve uh the first year that I was in um this work I worked with two circle keepers and every month we met at a coffee shop for three hours and I released and let go and said out loud the aches the wounds the bruises the like shaking my fist at like the world and the system like I I I said all that stuff out loud, and it was held in a restorative space with folks that understood because they're circle keepers what that meant and would never, right, would never um, use those moments where I sound um, uglier in a way that would harm me, uh, Pretty pretty soon into the story, or I don't know, maybe when I understood myself a little bit more, um, I became really, really careful about my social media life. I believed that there was just no way for me to rant about the 2016 election, because it was one screenshot that would say, this is the restorative justice leader for St. Paul, and look at how she talks about the world. Like, we all restorative folks deserve sacred confidential spaces to say things that are true, that won't, that that, like they get to stay in those circle spaces. So I think that's what I want for folks really, really safe spaces that have a shared lexicon and love language around what the work is. Cause I can feel real mad and real angry about things and that doesn't make me less restorative. But I feel like because the work is uh, still emerging in its identity, right, in social consciousness, we need those circles. So I want folks to have lots of circle friends. I think we <laughs> we were all about and remain all about like the plus one circle. So if a circle space is convening really consistently or if a community is convening, convening consistently in circle, at some fixtured point of trust, the plus one circle means invite your best friend, invite your sister, invite your husband, partner, wife, like child, because they're hearing you talk about circle all the time over at dinner, but they have no idea what you're talking about. So mm-hmm. those plus one circles, um, like give you that other sort of that person to chat with, to be
0: with. Two more questions. Mm-hmm. Um who is one person that I should have on this podcast bonus points if you can help me connect with them and bring them on
1: oh my goodness
0: just like Nancy tagged you
1: yeah oh my goodness so I have love for lots and lots and lots of folks do I just have to I only get to say one
0: you can say a handful if you (laughs)
1: want. uh hang out with Chris Mendez uh, he's at the Legal Rights Center. He's a restorative facilitator and he's one of the folks that, um, has done podcasting and is currently interviewing some of our educators. He's remarkable. Um, Sean Davenport is one of our restorative leaders of just incredible heart. Um, just like I sent my son, moved my son out of one middle school, uh, to go to his middle school because I just trusted uh, to the sort of restorative bumper that Sean could provide. There's a gajillion, just so many, so I can I can send you a robust list, (laughs) and then you might feel a little bit like over (laughs) the same old story, though. So, (laughs) have you talked to
0: Aisha? Well, no, Um, and do you know her? She's amazing. Oh, I like so. Do you know? Do you know Kathy Evans? Yes, out of... Or...
1: Is it Ohio? Out of EMU. Yeah,
0: yeah. She's out of EMU. So I just recorded with her earlier this morning. And I didn't even know who Maisha when... That's who we're talking about, right? I didn't even know who she was until this morning. Um And Nancy was like, yeah, you should reach out. Because, like, Nancy doesn't, like, know her like that. Um But, yeah. Um I didn't even know about her book. <laughs> um But now I've got to go read that book. Um But... um mm-hmm. Yeah, I would, I would love that connection.
1: Yeah. Maisha is yeah. amazing. We have these as a, some of our matching earrings. Um, Maisha has great earring game in addition to being like <laughs> ridiculously, uh, amazing and good. We, when we won a federal grant in 2018 to take what we were learning and expand it to eight more schools, um, Maisha agreed to be our technical consultant and, um, so we've circled together and she's been out to Minnesota and we've gone out to California and she's just, she's amazing. Yeah.
0: Beautiful. Yes. Love to see those things coming together. Um, finally, you know, we've already plugged your website. We'll definitely plug it again, but how and where can people support you and your work in the ways that you want to be supported? You can also shout out your book.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, the, I wrote a book. Yes. Yes. Thank you.
0: Restorative practices in, uh, sorry, at schools. Um, we'll get that linked. Uh, how else can people support you in your York?
1: Love on themselves. I like, and be patient with themselves. Uh, one of the things I talk about just in the opening pages of the book is that literally like, it's cool if you spill coffee on this. It's cool if you set your look curly on top of it. It's cool if it sits in a stack for a bit. Because there is a lot coming at all of us all the time. Learn this, try this, practice this. And, uh, you know, that, that social dose, social discipline window that we use to talk about, mm-hmm. like, where restorative lives and that with space. Um, yeah, to support me, I feel like, is uh, loving on yourself. And I know that, and I don't mean that as a past like a like a passive or a um, an easy move because it is it's a whole hard thing to to be kind to yourself in schools to be patient with yourself in schools um, which I think translates towards folks struggling to find the patience they want to have with young people and and the care and empathy they want to have with their colleagues how's that sound <laughs>
0: no, no that's that's perfect in addition to finding out more about her work at restorativelyyours.com and buying restorative practices at schools. You're not going to do the promotion. I'll do it for you. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Becky, for being here, uh, sharing your wisdom, your time, your stories. Uh, listeners, is there anything else that you want to leave the people with? How
1: are you feeling? That might be how they're feeling. Could be, could be not. But how are you feeling out of the space?
0: How am I yeah. feeling? uh i am feeling uh happy uh for this connection um and i imagine follow- future connections that you and i will have um, in i don't know if is the right word challenged to think about things in a couple different ways yeah how are you feeling
1: Like, I hope we totally hang out again because it is, (laughs) I can talk about, uh, the loneliness that people experience in schools or the loneliness that we might all, um, hold. And, uh, and it doesn't mean that these, these days that I've had since like starting new chapters that there aren't moments that I wonder at what, what, how to, how to be in, relationship right with the work and in the connected dots sort of way and so we should totally virtually hang out where what state are you in okay so you know maybe you'll come to chicago to the conference next summer though next july
0: oh i'll definitely be there uh chicago well this is a conversation that will continue after we stop recording. So I'm going to wrap this up where it is. Well, I guess we can shout out the NICRJ conference. They are in some ways a sponsor of this podcast. So, uh, check that out, um, at, uh, NICRJ.org. I believe, uh, the conference is next God willing. The conference is next summer, uh, in late June, early Early July, July. one of those, um, early July of next year. Um, So come out and and see us. Um, But until then, um, this has been This Restorative Justice Life for this week. We'll be back with another conversation next week. Until then, take care. Like what you heard? Please subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast on whatever platform you're using right now. Or if you're old school, tell a friend. It really helps us further amplify this work. You can also support us by following us on our social platforms, signing up for our email list, signing up for a community gathering, workshop, or course. So many options. Links to everything in the show notes or on our website, AmplifyRJ.com. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you next week.